Jewish audio on Kaban.org. Rambam, Mishnah Torah, Hilchais Maser Sheni Veneter Deboya, the laws of the second tithe, and the laws of the produce of the fourth year. Pedic Hamishi, chapter 5, we're learning the laws of Maser Sheni, and the law simply is that in the agricultural system of Israel, after giving the 2% approximately to the Kohen, after giving the 10% of the produce to the Levi, to the Levite, the farmer set aside an additional 10%, which he took with him on his next trip to Jerusalem, he or she. As we will learn today, the farmer could be a man or a woman. And spent the money on food, drink, and anointing oils in Jerusalem, inviting friends and family to share. As my father of blessed memory would describe it, he made a fabrengen in Jerusalem. That's the idea of the consumption of the miser sheni money. Now the Torah itself says you can't expect produce to last that long. You're going to put produce away in a cabinet, in a pantry, in the garage, and have it last for six, eight, ten months until you decide to go to Jerusalem. It's going to rot. It's going to decay. Therefore, there's a system of redemption. You take the produce, you redeem it, and you put the money away. That's okay. And then you take the money, which could be carried even in your hand. Produce, you need a truck. But the money could be carried easily. In your hand, a couple of gold coins they used back then. And fartik. So now the question is, how does this redemption process work? And that's what today's Rambam is about. If someone is going to redeem his own produce, which means I have a hundred dollars worth of produce, which I have to bring to Jerusalem. I want to exchange it for money before it decays and rots. So I want to redeem my own produce. Bein shehu shalo, whether it belongs to the farmer himself, to the person himself, or bein shenafolei birusha, or perhaps this person's father died, and perhaps in the estate they found produce of my sashani. Or, he was gifted raw, untithed produce, because we learned that you're not allowed to gift my Sersheni produce, so the only way you could gift is if you gift untithed produce, which includes potential my Sersheni. Then the bottom line of paragraph one is when you yourself are redeeming your own produce, the Torah says, I want you to add one-fifth just to make sure you're not uh, cutting corners. When it's your own produce, you got to, just in case, it's close, you have to add a fifth. And the fifth that we always talk about in Torah is not a fifth as we understand it, but as we understand it, it's actually a fourth. And here he spells it out. If it was worth four dinars, he gives five. And therefore, the gross amount of five, the one you added is now a fifth of the gross. 
This is a verse in the Torah, in the Bible. If you, a man will redeem, if a person will redeem, actually technically it says if a man will redeem, and that's why we come to the second paragraph. If a man will redeem of his tithe, says the verse, he adds a fifth, just to be sure that everybody's playing straight. And as an outgrowth of that verse, we have a fascinating law, what if a woman is the one who's the farmer? And she redeems her own produce of tithing. Should she add a fifth? I would think so. What's the difference? The answer is no. She doesn't have to. Why not? Due to a technicality. From tradition we learn, the verse quoted above says man. And therefore, technically, she got away with it. She's exempt. She doesn't have to pay that extra fifth. Not a woman, which is a very unusual law. So also, if he earlier redeemed his produce from money, and now he's redeeming the money, she also has to add a fifth. Any exchange. What if he redeemed the produce of his second tithe? And as required, he added the fifth. So he had $400 worth of produce. He redeemed it for himself, so he starts peeling off $100 bills, and he pays 500 That's the fifth. And for whatever reason, he needed to redeem it again. He has to add another fifth, but only to the principal. Not... To the fifth. He doesn't have to add a fifth over the fifth. So he still has to pay 400 plus 100. Now comes a situation where what if the volume and the value is too small? What if this entire bundle of second tithe in its fifth, there isn't even a pruta. A pruta is their equivalent of our penny today. It's actually worth more than our penny, but it's the lowest coin possible, a, 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 an inexpensive copper coin. So what if the fifth was less than a pruta? You don't have to make that payment of the fifth because it's less than a, the lowest coin. So also, when you have tithe which is so minimal, you're not even sure of the value. It may be worth uh, three prutas, four prutas, whatever. It's so insignificant, it's sufficient for a person to say, that this tithe and its fifth is redeemed by this sela, by this coin, that is, if it's his own produce. But, and here's the key law here, what if I'm redeeming your produce? What if you're redeeming my produce? 
then there's no requirement for adding a fifth. It could be dollar for dollar. Of course, we're not suspecting any, as we say, uh, hanky-panky. What about a rabbinic form of second tithe? Which we talked about extensively earlier called demai. Because it's only a rabbinic mandate just in case. We're not obligated to add the fifth. Hey, five. What if somebody redeemed the second tithe? Before we go on to five, I just want to point out. In four, there are some who want to say that this means that if there is a tithe, if there is produce, and I'm just not sure how much it's worth, I could just say, ah, here's a salah. But the commentaries explain that that's not what it means, because we learned earlier, in an earlier chapter, that before somebody can redeem serious produce, he has to go to an expert businessman, perhaps three expert businessmen, and get an appraisal. Therefore, just because you don't know, you just can't easily redeem an uncoin. We're talking about something that's so insignificant that you don't know. That's the uh, explanation on a point earlier. Back to five. If somebody already redeemed his second tithe produce for money, then he had other second tithe produce, which was not redeemed yet, if it's a small amount, if it's fifth, is less than a pruta, less than a penny, it would be sufficient for him to say, this produce and the fifth due for it are all included in the earlier money which was just exchanged for my first batch. How could it be? Because there's probably some extra money there. Because a person can never be exact in the pricing of produce. And usually a, 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 a God-fearing person will always add a little bit more just to be safe. Therefore, there must be that little bit more. And it could be sufficient for this tiny volume of another batch. That's only if it's a tiny volume. However, one might think that if somebody has $100 worth of second tithe produce, let me be a sport and let him give $200? No. That's wrong. Even though we learned earlier when it comes to the consecration to the temple fund, the more the merrier. If somebody gives more than the produce's worth, a lot more, it doesn't even become sacred second tithe food. Why is that? Because unlike the Holy Temple fund money, which goes to the Holy Temple, here this second tithe food, he eats it himself in Jerusalem. And therefore, there's no mitzvah to give more than the value. So therefore, the halach is, it doesn't even grasp, doesn't even take hold on that money. Zayin, what if somebody is ready to exchange produce for money? He himself says, I'm going to pay for my own produce, a sella, which is a coin, a silver coin. And somebody else says, I'll give a seller too. So who gets priority? 
the owner himself or the outside person? The answer is Balabayas Kedem. Obviously, the owner takes priority. He can have the first opportunity at redemption. Why? Elementary Watson. Because he's adding a fifth. So if the owner himself does it, then there'll be not a seller, but a seller and a quarter. But if the owner says a seller, and the other guys, or the other guy says a seller, some of the commentaries say the Rambam doesn't mean a seller and a pruta, he means a seller and a punjin, which is a higher, which is a, a 49th of, of a seller. The other one comes first, because he's offering more, some say even more than this fellow and his fifth. Here's an interesting law. It's possible to do a little game playing, a little creative financing when it comes to redemption of tithe. Ketzat, for example, how do we do creative financing? A man could say to his grown son or his grown daughter, or the Abde, or to his servant, or every who's Jewish, Here, I'm giving you this money. And redeem the tithe with, you, with this money like it's yours. What is he accomplishing? He's accomplishing that if his son does it, his daughter does it, his servant does it, they don't have to pay the fifth. So that's okay. You can get away, you can play that game. But he should not say to his son, daughter, here's money, go redeem, because then it's really a joke, because it's clearly his money. The first scenario, he gave them a gift of money. And he whispered in their ear, they should redeem. So also if he said to his son, or daughter, or servant, redeem from your money, he does not have to add a fifth, because of the way the system works. But he should not do so to his minor children, or to his Canaanite servant, because a person is the same as his minor children. A person is the same as his Canaanite servant. So therefore, it's like him doing it. What if he gave it to his young Jewish servant girl? If it was a rabbinic tithe, we learned earlier, that if somebody is growing produce in a flower pot, for example, here, outside Chabad House, we have beautiful flowers growing in flower pots. I don't know if you ever noticed. Along the building here. So the law is, what are flower pots considered as it relates to tithing laws of produce? Is it considered tithable or not? So the answer is, if it has a hole in the bottom of the flower pot, and it becomes one with the earth, with the soil, then for sure. There's no difference if you're planting produce in a flower pot or you're planting it in the earth. But if it does not have a hole, then it does not require to be tied. Except, rabbinic law says, tithe anyway. 
So if it's a flower pot without a hole, which is only rabbinically mandated, then it's okay that he asked his minor female servant to do so, because in the case of an she's always a minor, and the only way a minor could acquire anything on behalf of anyone else is if it's a rabbinic situation. But if it's a biblical situation, you could never have a minor acquire anything for anyone, so therefore that whole system doesn't work. And so also, Mariam, he can do another creative gimmick here. We learned earlier, you're not allowed to give tithe as a gift to someone because it's insulting the tithe. But you're allowed to give the produce before it's tithe as a gift. It's my produce. So if I have a hundred measures of produce, and I have to tithe of that ten for my sersheni, I'm not allowed to tithe it and give the ten to you because it's insulting the tithe by giving it away. But I'm allowed to give you the hundred and then you're allowed to tithe. And then the donor says, the one who gave to begin with says, He doesn't have the cash in hand to give or to redeem. So he says, I have money in my house in the safe. The money in my house will redeem your produce, that's permissible, we learned earlier. Yudal of 11, Shneach and two brothers. Aishnei Shutfun are two partners. Or Avubnei are a father and a son. Paidim Zelozem, Aishashaini. There's no reason one cannot redeem the others and not have to pay the fifth. Kideshul Yasef Chemish, because the law only says I have to add a fifth if I redeem my produce. But despite the fact that you're my son, or my brother, or my partner, I can redeem your produce without adding a fifth. Now we go back to the husband-wife laws, which we learned much, much earlier, and we learned that there is property that a woman brings into the marriage, which remains her property, and does not become community property. So she brought to her husband, Masashani, into the marriage, we learned earlier there are two forms of that. There's nichsim belug, nichsetzayim basel, and so on. Being that this is really God's money, as we learned, that the tithe is not the human being's money, but it's God's money. Therefore, although the husband acquires a certain right in the profits of this, and so on and so forth, as we learned earlier, it doesn't work here because it's not even... Her money, and it's not even his money, it's God's money. And therefore, in Podohu, if the husband redeems it, it's not considered his produce. It's considered his wife's produce, or God's produce. And despite the fact that they're one unit, husband and wife, he doesn't have to add a fifth, because it's hers, and he doesn't have ownership of it. You'd base 12, if somebody redeems his own second tithe, Let's say he has $400 worth of second tithe. So he pays the $400. So now the produce becomes his to use in any way he wants to. He didn't give the $500. Only because he didn't have it. But he's going to do it soon. Even though by law. Not giving the fifth does not undo the whole procedure. 
The procedure worked. He owes it, but it still it worked. But in Ischalim, the exchange was made. Better yet, our sages said, let him not engage in indulging in eating this produce until he pays the other fifth. Even on Shabbos, where there's not too much you can do on Shabbos, and maybe you need the produce, the produce could be wine, the produce could be uh, vegetables. We're afraid that he's going to intentionally not pay. He's going to say, who cares? It's mine anyway. And therefore, our sages ordained that better don't eat it until you actually pay the fifth. Now we say in 13, funds that were used to redeem Masasheni, which became Masasheni, what if he has a lot of copper coins, a lot of small change, and he wants to exchange it for a golden dinar? So instead of having a bag full, a sack full of copper coins, he has one gold dinar. It's a lot easier to transport. Mitzarfa, no problem. Now the question is okay, but he is exchanging. Copper coins for gold. Does he have to pay a fifth? The answer is no. He does not have to pay a fifth. This is not even called redeeming. This is just called currency exchange. What if somebody has a larger coin of Maishasheni money and now he's going into the store and he wants to buy a banana? Wants to buy a Diet Coke. I'm just kidding. Diet Coke is not considered food. A real Coke with sugar. No, just, I'm confused. Never mind. He wants to buy some orange juice. No, orange juice is a problem. Whether it's in Jerusalem or outside of Jerusalem, he has a big coin. He has to change it. He should not take all copper money. He should retain as much silver money as he can. And that's because, number one, it's prominence. And it's probably easier to control as well. Tesvav, muta lechal kesef maeser impedes maeser ala kesef. Theoretically, it is permissible to exchange money of maeser with produce for money. Some money, some produce for larger currency. Vehu sheyu bapedes pachas mishav dinner as long as. The fruit part is less than a dinar's worth, which is a coin. But if you had a dinar's worth, then leave produce for money and don't mix. Do it separately. Spell it out. What if he had produce worth a dinar? And he had three dinars of Maishasheni currency. He should not exchange it all for one seller, which equals four dinners. But if he had half a dinner produce and half a dinner money, then he should do both of them. So again, it has to do with the detailed application of the particular law to keep it as straight as possible and as prominent as possible. End of chapter 5.